Well, my name is Vivian Wong. I am a gastroenterologist at Mount Sinai Hospital, and I'm also assistant professor at the University of Toronto. And today I'm going to be talking a little bit about optimizing the management of IBD in pregnancy. So we know that inflammatory bowel disease seems to increase the risk of some pregnancy-related outcomes, and this is over the multiple studies and observational data that we have to date. But the problem has been that it's been very difficult to nail down whether this effect is actually due to the IBD itself, due to the IBD disease activity, or due to the IBD medications. And the reason is that the way the research has been done is usually retrospective, or in some cases, just prospective observational studies. But as you know, in your clinical practice, oftentimes patients may or may not complain about symptoms. And then when you add on the pregnancy component, there are pregnancy-related GI symptoms as well that can confound that assessment. So what we have found is actually when doing these systematic reviews and meta-analysis and looking at all these published research studies to date, that that has been the main issue, is how disease activity was actually defined. In some studies, the clinicians define disease activity using the standard clinical scores like Harvey Bradshaw Index or Mayo score. But in other studies, they made up their own clinical assessments based on uh, clinical charting and documentation. We've also found out in some of our own research here and in other publications that biomarkers that are commonly used by gastroenterologists and other clinicians to monitor inflammation, for example, C-reactive protein is used, but CRP can go up in some patients with active IBD, and other patients with active IBD may not go up. And then the problem becomes in a pregnancy, a CRP can go up because of normal pregnancy-related physiological changes. So then that confounds our assessment of the IBD disease activity. And so that's kind of why it's been really hard and challenging to, to actually understand what is it about IBD that affects the pregnancy outcomes. So in the most recent couple of years, many of us now have fecal calprotectin. And if you do have fecal calprotectin access, we would recommend that you use something like that to monitor and assess your pregnant patients with IBD. And that's because fecal calprotectin in all the studies to date does not seem to be impacted by pregnancy, meaning that when they had the healthy volunteers donate stool in their pregnancies, the highest fecal cal that was reported was a median of 140. Whereas in an IBD patient, when they have active disease, it usually goes up above 200 and 250. Um, so in that respect, like in my clinic here at the Mount Sinai Hospital Pregnancy IBD Clinic, we routinely check fecal calprotectin in our IBD patients uh, each trimester. And then if they have elevated scores symptomatically and we want to confirm is that their IBD that's active or not, we've been starting to use that as well. So I think going forward that trying to use objective markers of disease activity in the pregnant IBD patient is probably going to have better management and better outcomes because we won't be adjusting therapy based on just clinical symptoms. We'll actually be adjusting and monitoring therapy and response to therapy based on true objective markers of inflammation. Because of all these different reporting in the uh, older literature and the fact that there have been more recent publications in the last couple of years, we thought to update all the literature and try to synthesize everything that's published to try to tease out those differences of whether it's IBD affecting the pregnancy-related outcomes or the disease activity or the medications. And so that's why in this systematic review and meta-analysis, it goes up to last year, so all the publications that we were able to find relating to these topics. And we wanted to provide some guidance in terms of also whether there's anything new that's been reported because of the additional uh, study numbers um, from the more recent publications. 
So that's why we decided to conduct this updated systematic review and meta analysis. So in our systematic review and meta analysis, we actually updated from all the uh, evidence to date, but we also focused a little bit on um, placental findings and uh, vascular issues in pregnancy because we thought maybe that with the inflammatory process going on that this might be something that would stand out, but actually we didn't find a huge significant risk for that, which is reassuring that IBD patients may not be at risk exactly for placental disorders. However, one thing that we thought was kind of surprising was the increased risk of gestational diabetes among IBD patients, irrespective of whether they had uh, documented steroid exposure or not. Now, there is a caveat to that, as I mentioned earlier, that the way these studies were done, some were retrospective, some were prospective, but whether or not they actually documented, you know, how much steroids or what their steroid use, perhaps some of it could have been missed. Some patients may take steroids on their own if they have some prednisone lying around at home that may not have been captured in these actual uh, research projects. This kind of, however, flags to us that these patients with IBD who are pregnant should be considered higher risk, irrespective of what medications they're on, and that because they are higher risk for pregnancy-related complications, all IBD patients should be offered um, a consultation with a high-risk obstetrician or a maternal fetal medicine specialist and have a multidisciplinary uh, care approach throughout their pregnancy. So, for example, in our clinic here, and there's a few clinics around the world, depending on where you're located, you would have that network and availability for that consultation. Key findings from the study is that women who have IBD who become pregnant are at slight increased risk for certain adverse outcomes. Uh, for example, as mentioned, is the gestational diabetes and the preterm pre-labor rupture of membranes uh, was found to be higher risk in patients with IBD. However, in general, like the other outcomes that we looked at, uh, for example, the placental abruption or chorioamnionitis, they didn't have an increased risk. We were looking at some of the medications, and because of the uh, longer-term experience with anti-TNF, we had sufficient studies to look at. That did not seem to increase risk of adverse outcomes as well. So that's very important to, to understand for gastroenterologists that, yes, you can use uh, biologics such as anti-TNF, it's safe to continue in the pregnancy, and if that's what's needed to keep the patient's disease under control, then, then it's important to advise the patient to stay on that. Um, in terms of the newer biologics that are out there now, of course, there's not as much data. So when patients with IBD need to take a, a newer biologic or a newer mechanism of action, and that's the only one that's available or that's going to work for them, then you know, they would likely need to stay on that biologic to control their inflammation. However, then, of course, you need to have a high-risk obstetrician or maternal fetal medicine specialist involved to ensure that this uh, fetal growth is adequate and no other complications. Ultimately, the, the main point is that women with IBD who, who become pregnant do need very close monitoring, and they need to be treated more aggressively probably than if they're not pregnant because of the fact that active IBD can also increase risk of adverse outcomes. So actually, after uh, completing this initial systematic review and main analysis, which we actually focused mainly on the um, pregnancy-related outcomes or the maternal side of things, we actually have another systematic review and main analysis in progress looking more at the uh, fetal or neonatal outcomes. Uh, so, for example, congenital abnormalities and, and those outcomes. So that will be coming out soon, hopefully. Looking at all the evidence and, and the unknowns, we are starting to pay attention to the way we're collecting uh, clinical data regarding our pregnant IBD patients in a prospective cohort um, here at Mount Sinai. And similarly, I believe there are other centers around the world that are trying to collect more detailed patient-level 
uh, data so that we can tease out um, the impact of IBD versus disease activity versus medications. So thank you for listening today. I hope uh, you found this information uh, interesting and helpful. And looking forward to sharing with you our next uh, study on fetal and neonatal outcomes in the near future.